Um, so welcome to another episode of E4 Explosive Podcast. I'm Corey, and this is Nicole Stott, right? Yes. Uh, I wanted to say Good Scott job. for like ever. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. there's no C in there. So Nicole Stott, who um, I'm going to actually let you explain yourself because <laughs> you're fascinating uh, and you are a person who I dream about to talk to on a regular basis. And that's why I wore this NASA shirt to represent. So I will let you explain who you are. Who am I? Well, um, I am a retired NASA astronaut. I was with NASA for, gosh, it seems a long, like a long time, like about 28 years between wow. my time as a, a space shuttle space station engineer at the Kennedy Space Center, you know, working as a NASA engineer. And then I had a couple years in Houston flying as a flight engineer on the shuttle training aircraft, that modified jet they used to train the astronauts to land the space shuttle in. What? And then in 2000, got selected uh, to be an astronaut and um, flew twice um, back, golly, like this, I can't believe it was this long ago either. Like 2009 was my first flight, a little over three months on the space station. And then 2011, on um, the final flight of the space shuttle Discovery, which was two weeks, we went to the space station way too short. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm happy I got to go for that two weeks. Right. But pull my clawing hands off the hatch, get me back in the shuttle. Really? Yeah. And then uh, as, as part of that training for, for astronaut, I got to spend three weeks living underwater on an undersea mission uh, at Aquarius. So I can, um, I can claim Aquanaut, which I really love being able to claim that. That's super cool to me. And now retired artist, I guess. I, I always say that with like little quotes marks around it because um, sometimes I feel like I'm being disrespectful to professionally trained and really talented artists. And I'm using <laughs> this way to let my dogs out. <laughs> I hear him like, <laughs> he's, doing, yeah. he's got like that gremlin-y noise. That's what my dog Boomer does. Yeah. He's, I don't even get me started. <laughs> it he, would turn into being really vocal in a, in a, yeah. in a couple seconds. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. And, and, um, just finished writing my first book. So author and um, mom is probably the most important role I can awesome. add in all that. Yeah. That's great. Well, you're also, like I said, before we even got really going, you're a total badass. Like, you okay, know, yeah. I yeah, gotta you got to add that. You got to check the box <laughs> off because that's important. Um, okay. Anybody that's been to not earth and been off of earth, I consider a badass um, you're the 10th woman to do a spacewalk mm -hmm. in uh, NASA's history, which is incredible. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm super jacked. For Absolutely. This thanks for wearing the shirt. <laughs> oh, man. I've had this. Listen, I told you I'm obsessed with like outer space, but more of like a am terrified of it. I'm not like <laughs> I want to go there. If, the, if NASA was like because I'm not I'm in D.C., I'm like right down the street from from NASA. They can yeah. be like, hey, Corey, you want to go to space where or, or, you know, the moon? Absolutely not. NASA, not I'm scared of heights. I would definitely pass out on the way. Um not my thing. So I want to live vicariously through you. Okay. Uh, That's what but, I'm doing through my friends now. That are yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, I just think it's fascinating. Uh, so, so, okay. First off, I noticed you said you got selected in 2000. Yes. You didn't even go until 2009. Right. And that's because, um, so when, when my class, our group of what our name is the bugs uh, was selected in wow. 2000, even when we got selected, we were told it would probably be, you know, five 
ish five to six years before we flew. What? And that's because just, you know, there's not a lot of flights, you know, whatever what the, the manifest was, you know, the flight pace for the space shuttle. Then um, we were starting to fly with our Russian partners on the space station on the right. Soyuz. So that was opening up some more opportunity, but there really weren't, it's not like we were launching every week with right. all on board, you know, all on board. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and when I started then we were, we were just, you know, we were beginning the, the build of the International Space Station. And so we all knew coming in that the expectation was five to six years. I mean, we hoped it would be less, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, you know, you always do. But in 2003, sadly, we had the Columbia accident, mm -hmm. which then put things out, you know, like two to three more years. So right. I think the first person to fly from, from my class was in late 2008. So, um, yeah, five to six turned into eight to 10. Right. Right. And I mean, I can imagine the training and also, first of all, the selection process to become an astronaut. I mean, everybody growing up, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be whatever, like how, you know, you've, I feel like you've prepared yourself for a long time up until that point to be selected. So you were probably like ready to rock that day, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I think we all think we're ready to rock right. that day um, right. for sure. uh, in our own minds, how awesome we are. Um, but but I, I felt really well prepared coming in, you right. know, um, I didn't really think about the, the real possibility of even considering applying to be an astronaut until <laughs> I had already been working for, I don't know, eight or nine years as a NASA engineer at the Kennedy Space Center. And, really? and that, I mean, I watched the moon, I'm old enough, I watched the moon landing, have vivid memory of oh, that. Wow. Yeah. And um, I think even at six or seven, you realize that's a really extraordinary thing, right? Oh my God. But I just kind of grew up thinking, this is really cool. That's something other special people get to do. That's literally my thought. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I yeah. can never astronaut. Yeah. Eh, I mean, nobody it. told me I couldn't do it. I'm really, really thankful for that. Cause sadly there are some kids and adults even who get to, ah, no. Yeah. yeah. Or, oh, it's such a slim change. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know? Um, but while I was working at KSC, I mean, what was I doing? I was getting space shuttles ready for astronauts to fly. And right. I started to meet and see a lot of astronauts coming through. And I, you know, maybe I was slow, but I, I realized, wow, you know, 99.9% .9 of an astronaut's job is not flying in space. Right. <laughs> it's down here on earth. And at least 80% of that was a lot like what I was already doing. Really? As an engineer. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could think about it. And it really took, um, a couple of people that I considered to be mentors that I worked with uh, at Kennedy and just asked them, what do you think about this? And thankfully they didn't discourage me. That's incredible. You know, they didn't say, Oh, Nicole, you'd make the greatest astronaut there ever was, you know, right. they might think that now, I don't know, right. but, but all they did was convince me to do the one thing I had total control of in the process, which was pick up the pen and fill out the application. Wow. Cause otherwise it's not happening. Right. Right. You have to apply. Yeah. And I thank them every time I see them for just that little like push that kind of got my self-confidence where it needed to be to right. just do that, pick up the pen, which you physically had to do back then. You had to pick up the pen back in the late right. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> no iPad. The application, or, you know, yeah, now you can, you know, now you can go online. Right. But, um, but that was, that was a big deal to, to just make that decision to do that.
that's incredible. I, I, that's that's so cool that like those little things that happen mm-hmm. to to you know now you're here today. Like otherwise, yeah. who knows? And I be... could have written myself off. Just I right, could have right. totally eliminated that right. awesome opportunity for my life by just not doing the thing I had control of. Right. Right. Exactly. That's incredible. I didn't know that most astronauts are like most of their job is down like on the earth. Yeah. So think about it. What I had 104 days in space, mm-hmm. right. But I was in the astronaut office for when did I, 15 years. Wow. And I mean, even, even the not time and space stuff though, is really amazing. You know, the people we get to work with, um, you know, we've got the international partnership for the space station program, you know, the travel, the people I got to meet and work with that way, um, the training to do spacewalks in a big pool, flying That's, the robotic yeah. arm and simulators yeah. and, you know, just helping develop new programs, the procedures for things. I mean, it was really, really awesome just from the ground standpoint as well. Right. So, um, yeah. That's pretty cool. So, so the, how long is the training to do it to, 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 from like, okay, Nicole, you're select, not selected. Cause I know that took nine years, yeah. but like when they really were like, all right, this is your flight schedule, the moon, whatever the, not the moon, but the, you know, the space station is in, you know, the orbit, whatever yeah. it had to be when all the stars, no pun intended aligned, <laughs> how, how long was that? Well, that was, so when you first get selected to be an astronaut, you're called an ass can or astronaut <laughs> candidate, right? Oh, wow. And I'm going to lean over here and, and shut the door now. Okay. And uh, that an is, <laughs> that's, that's about um, two years of really a lot like going back to school. You know, you're going to learn all about the shuttle system. Oh, cool. The spacecraft you're going to fly on, the space station. You start to get introduced to the international partners on the space station program and learning about their hardware and science wow. that's in space. Um, you, I mean, the spacewalk training, the robotic arm training, and then we're doing things like, um, like I mentioned, the uh, aquanaut thing, like going and living for three weeks underwater as this like perfect analog to what it would be like to live and work in space. Really? Yeah, it's just the it's the best and. Um, and, and then, yeah, like supporting missions coming up, all that working as Capcom, there's plenty to do, right? Right. And then once you are assigned to the mission, um, back when I, back in those old days, when I was assigned, <laughs> uh, which was about 2006 for my 2009 flight, it was roughly three years from the time you were assigned to the time you flew, because you went through this whole backup training flow. Right. You know, there were there were people that were going to fly ahead of you. You kind of backed them up, learned what that was going on there, and then you rolled into your prime training. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that was about three years. So in Whoa. that, because it's the International Space Station, over fifty percent of my time was spent out of the country in Star City, Russia in Cologne, Germany, in Scuba, Japan, Montreal, what? Canada, That's sick. because we, we trained as a crew with our international partners as well. And so, um, so that was, that was, I mean, that was pretty intense. It'd be five weeks in Russia, four weeks at home, three weeks in Germany, home that like back and oh my forth God. Like that for three years. That's and incredible. then I got assigned to a shuttle flight and that was a year, like a year of training the, the inner the space uh, station is someone always there yes 
Yeah, there's always like now we have a crew of seven up there since we've started flying uh, crews on the the Dragon on the SpaceX vehicle. So we mm. have seven crew members. When I was there, six was the crew side. All it's one crew that represents all fifteen of those different countries that wow. are partners. It's it's like cool I know, this is what I could talk to you about all day, which is how. This international space, this mechanical life support system, right, that we've built in space, right, to mimic what Earth does for us naturally right. as our own little spaceship Earth, right? Um, we, for over 20 years, have been living peacefully, successfully with crew members from 15 different countries. Doing Whoa. Everything that's up there is ultimately about improving life on Earth. Right. Um, the tens of thousands of people across those five different international space agencies that are working to that, you know, I, I would call greater good mission as right. well. And uh, I honestly believe, you know, the relationships we've established there, they help temper the things going on down here too. Even when stuff seems a little like on the edge, everything right. like, man, you know, we know we have this partnership in space and that kind of brings us back to earth right. a little bit to right. say, hey, how should we really behave together, right? right. Uh, perfect example for how we should be living as a just a crew of spaceship earth and right. not passengers. I know that's, I think that's so cool that the, that they've, I don't know who came up with the idea, but making the international space station, like, like everyone got involved with it and just like came together and, and yeah. made this thing happen. And it's just like, just floating around. It's so, so wait, so there, so there's a crew of seven, but is there always a crew of seven? Do they just rotate or is it like- They do this? rotate. There's always um, at least a crew of three. I mean, that's that's the minimum we've gone down to on the wow. space station. And because sometimes, you know, like with, um, when we were just flying on the Soyuz in between when the shuttle retired and right, now, right. Um, you know, three people would come up before three people went home. So you'd have like nine for a little okay. while and then three would go home, you'd be back to six again. Or three would go home before the other three came up. So you'd have three for a little while. But yeah, it's always a rotation of crew members coming through. Um, some wacky agreement decides which people from which countries are flying when. Wow. There's always U.S. and Russian crew members there. Um, and then you'll have a mix of like Japanese, Canadian, or right. European um, on that's board. That's so cool. It's it's awesome. That's, that's so awesome. So beautifully, you know, we're all floating around the dinner table at night wow. throughout the day, solving the world's problems. You know, I mean, it's just humanity, I guess. Literally, like literally, yeah. Like it's when you said dinner table, are you guys eating those things that I can go get at the space uh, museum. <laughs> the like the open up. Oh, here's my uh, was it the cookie ice cream sandwich? Yeah, not quite, not quite as foamy as yeah. that oh. you know but most of the food is um does need to be rehydrated we suck all the water out of everything because it water's heavy it costs a lot to send heavy oh. stuff to space so we we pull all the water out of it to make it lighter and i think it has a longer shelf life that way too but right. it's a lot like camping food right okay yeah that's what yeah. i figured that's yeah. awesome the, yeah so, which is so, really quite good because it's from all the different countries too so, i was gonna say you yeah know. you could bring like from russia <laughs> from japan from all kinds yeah. of places that's pretty cool yeah. the um did you see the uh, this is kind of jumping forward a little bit but did you see the um the potential hotel in space in mm -hmm. 2027 yeah yeah i think you're talking about like the axiom space station yeah that's a with, no for uh, me but uh, yeah are you going to go there? Like I would love to. And I think who is it? Philippe Stark or something that's doing the interior design. Yeah, it's going to look amazing. 
Yeah, it, it it's it's going to be incredible. I think we have so much in like the next 10 years, kind of the things that are going to go on are, are really, really cool. Um, yeah. I hope that somebody will invite me to go back. Oh, dude, literally <laughs> you could be like, you could be the welcoming person when they come Please. in. The yeah. I will, I will clean the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> You'll paint the murals. Back. I will be the one who does all that stuff, takes care of you. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we'll definitely talk about the, the near future. Cause even the last couple of years have been just oh, yeah. like, pedal to the metal just yeah. full throttle um so the space shuttle that you went on right so you had the the you said the columbia in 2003 right mm -hmm. that when you you know did that kind of like you were like hold on a second like i don't know because i know it was 89 or 88 or something whatever the yeah what's it called the um, challenger the challenger that just from the jump but you know, I think it was like a minor, not minor, but something like small. It was like obviously an accident for the Columbia, but like, did that deter you to be like, guys, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Or were you just like even more motivated to. No, I think the motivation was there. I, right. I can't say that all of a sudden it like, you know, exponentially went up that, Oh, I got to do this now more right, right. because that's what happened. But I, I don't feel like I went like, Ooh, I shouldn't do this anymore. And then had to come back up. I think that was steady. I think it was always um, because I'd had that experience at Kennedy Space Center, I think, working, you know, side by side with the people that like, honestly, like for them, the care and feeding of those spacecraft is like what they it's are like about, babies. right? It's like, it, yeah. it really is. And so, you know, there's that, that kind of passion, that kind of expertise in it. And I got to, through the astronaut office, got to see a lot more about how you know, NASA management and the contractors responded to that uh, accident and the way important. they um, addressed the problems that had happened. And that was whether that was a hardware issue or a, or a management issue. Those always tend to kind of blend and right, right. You know, things happen where people and to see it was all taken care of. And I, I don't know, I don't know what else could have been done to make me feel even more, you know, more comfortable about it. It was just right. like being part of that, I think made it um, make sense that this was still something to do. I know every single one of those people on that oh. space shuttle, like know them and know that they would have been like, holy moly, do not stop because of this, figure it out. Right. Keep going. Right. Um, so, you know, there were, there were all those things. Now that doesn't mean when you strap in, just even at any time that you're not respectful of the 7 million pounds of exploding right. rocket perspective comes into play you that's going to get you off the planet. There's total respect for that. Uh, but yeah, I think you feel like you're in. Right. You're in good best hands. Of, best of, yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially since your experience, you've been with them for so long. Like you said, like it gives you that peace of mind. Like personally for me, I'm actually, I've developed a fear of flying over the past like five to seven years, just flying wow. airplanes. Right. So I have terrible friends that send me gifts of planes crashing and just make my, when they know that I'm traveling, they're total asses, but that, that could be the problem right yeah, there. Oh, big problem. But it's weird <laughs> because I always find myself like looking for a pilot and I, like, I try to like pick their brain. Like I know that turbulence has never crashed a plane. I know all the stats and like the, it, it's in my favor. Like it's not going to happen more than likely highly more than likely, but for some reason I get in my own head. So like, you know, uh, the, the fear of that alone 
scares me. So obviously you, you wouldn't have to have like a fear of flying, but I think like, you knowing, like knowing these people, knowing how much they care, how driven they are and how particular they are with their work gave you that kind of like peace of mind of like, I'm good. Like, well, yeah, I think, I think that really underlies it all. And then the other thing is that pretty much all the training we do is in one way or another about what could hit the fan. You know, right. what, Worst what case is going to go wrong? How, right. you know, you're in, in the sim doing landings and all of a sudden they're throwing something at you. Like, you know, that's like the near death experience thing. Right. And so I think you, you get this kind of way about you as a crew. That's like, okay, whatever humanly possible we can do right. about the stuff that happens, we will do it. Right. And then, you know, there's stuff that, that's out of your control. It's always possible that you might not be able to take care of. Right, right. But um, but I loved, I mean, I watched in awe, like when on the space station where, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> some emergency alarm is going off on the station. I just was so proud to see how as a crew, you know, people are floating out of their crew compartments. Every, you're making sure you've accounted for all your crewmates. You're getting to that control center on the mm-hmm. station. You're, you're working in a way that you, it's like you, you train like you fly, you fly like you train, and it works. And you're using the adrenaline for good, you know? And, right, right. And then you're like, okay, you go back to bed. It's like maybe not as restful as sleep as right. it was before, <laughs> but it's like, holy moly, we just did that. We just, you know, figured out that there wasn't a leak on the space station. Thank right. you. And, yeah. um, and took care of it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So when you see everybody, you know, that takes from all the time that you're spending together yeah. before you go up there. That's why you're saying it's so important and all the time that you spend on earth training with these people. Cause it's almost like uh, a lot of military guys I talk to yep. and even cops and stuff I talk to, it's like, I need to make sure that person's got my back and vice versa. So yeah. you need to make sure that, that person next to you knows what they're doing. It can pull their way. So all you guys can work, you know, together yeah it's so cool i mean i i think That's about awesome. it i always show that in my presentations to kids actually to adults too i always show this picture of our space station crew and it's when we had we had one of those overlaps so we had nine people on board because oh, wow. three had come up before three went home mm-hmm. and we're all in like our blue flight suits with our flags across the front and we're in every you know there's no up or down so you're all floating around in these different positions and um, we've got clown noses on, we're given the peace sign and stuff. It's really, it's like one of my favorite pictures That's on cool. station. And I show it because I'm like, these are the kind of people you want to work with, that right. you want to be, I mean, wherever that you're working space, anywhere you, you want to enjoy yourself, right? right? You want to have a good time. And yet you want to know when it does hit the fan, when the things don't go right, like they're not always going to, right. that every single one of those people will have your back, you'll have theirs, They that you know they trust that you'll have theirs. Exactly. Do what you need to do. Right. Yeah. It's that whole, you know, we have a lot, we use a lot of the same, like the SEAL mottos, you know, yeah. slower is faster, you know, only easy day was yesterday. I mean, all these yeah. kinds of things yeah. that well, it's true. It, that's a it mindset. It's, that it's it's a mindset and it's and it works, especially in a group setting when you and other people have to rely on each other. It totally yeah. works. So yeah. that's incredible. It's the cool. same as what we should be doing down here on it, this. Planet, I know, right? I know, I know. It's a bigger but, crew. Right. Yeah, way bigger. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's man, I still can't I'm still like picturing in my head as like you're like you're strapped in. It, it, and you were you flew on the um, the shuttle, the big white one, right? Yep. 
on Discovery and on Atlantis. Yeah. Right. So before they retired that model. Yes. Yes. Right. I remember they, f- they didn't, I uh, did they, f- I don't know if they, f- I think they flew it over because they put it in some museum. I think they had it here in DC for a little bit. Um, yeah, actually Discovery is over at uh, Udvar Hazy with Smithsonian. Oh, wow. So it's there like sitting, you know, like it was on the runway and then oh my God. Endeavor's out at the LA Science Center and um, Atlantis is here in Florida at the Kennedy Space Center and they're all in different configurations. It's really cool. That's to see cool. How they've displayed each one a little bit differently. And then the, the landing test, landing and approach vehicle, um, uh, in, is on the Intrepid. That's uh, why am I drawing a blank on the name of that one? Uh, Enterprise is uh, wow. on the Intrepid Museum in New York City. So, yeah, they're spread around the country for people to be able to see them. Those it's are amazing. incredible. Yeah, like so, yeah. you're you're strapped in. You're you're flying on the Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, please <laughs> tell me your experience and, and, and walk me through what's like, I mean, I, I'm just picturing like thousands of controls, lights going off, you know, Houston, yeah. Houston's like, Hey, Hey, Nicole, uh, you know, we have a problem. Like that's. Yeah. Thankfully we didn't. Well, we heard some of that, but it wasn't because of us, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, I'll tell you nothing. I, you know, I worked at Kennedy space center for 10 years on the space shuttle program. I watched how many launches. I, right. I don't know. And in my mind, I had convinced myself, I knew what this was going to feel like. I'd talked to other people who'd done it, you know, watched all the videos and, and, and watched the launches and nothing, I mean, nothing prepares you for what it actually feels like. I think there's so much emotion and then just like physical stuff going on. And on the space shuttle, you know, we'd get out there to the launch pad a few hours ahead, you know, you get all strapped in. And of course, because the vehicle's pointing you know, it's like the noise, nose of the airplane pointing up now. Literally. So you're, you're laying on your back, you know, in the seat and um, getting comfortable. And I mean, I remember napping because, you know, you're out there so far in advance and, and the crew didn't really get involved, like actively involved in the countdown until like half an hour, 20 minutes before. Right. And so, so you want to be, you know, comfortable and relaxed. And, uh, but holy moly, when that, like 10, nine, eight starts. Oh, that's, that's when you're like, Oh, wow. I might, I might actually go to space today. Yeah, I'm going to not <laughs> yeah. earth. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then it was this, this, you know, that cadence of the countdown mm-hmm. and then six seconds with the space shuttle is when all of a sudden all that fuel and that big orange tank would start flowing to the three little engines on the back of the shuttle. Wow. And they would start, and I remember always thinking, oh, that'll be really, like, I'll really start. But it was, it was like this little vibration, could kind of hear a rumbly noise. Um, the engines are at an angle on the back of the orbiter, the uh-huh. like airplane looking part of the yeah. shuttle. And so when they lit, the whole thing tipped forward like 10 feet and then back. And then when it was vertical, that was synced up with zero on the countdown. And that's when those two big white solid rocket boosters lit. Oh, like six million pounds of thrust, you know? Right. And so that was like, you know, out of nowhere, it was like getting kicked from behind, getting kicked (laughs) from the front. Three of you starting to sit on top of you and shaking like, like you never imagined, like wondering if you were ever on a launch pad. I mean, honestly, like just the dynamics of your body, I, 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 I can't even describe it, but it, and I think back like, you know, with the designers of this vehicle, because (laughs) 
For about the first minute and a half uh, after a shuttle launch, the crew really can't do anything but monitor systems, see what's going on. For, really? You know, you, you can't abort yourself. Not It's like just right. you're all, so along much... for the ride. Yeah. yeah. You are just along for the ride for the first minute and a half. And I think, I'm like, man, I don't know if they did that deliberately for this reason, but are we are human. We have to react to that energy <laughs> coming through us, you know? Really? So I'm like, it's like no, no control. Boom. High five yeah. just happens yeah. with whoever's next to you. Wow. Smile on your face just happens. You know, there's like the, woo-hoo, you yeah. know, you're like thinking and it's just this like overwhelming stuff going on physically, physically and yeah. just, you know, emotionally. And, and then like two, two, two and a half minutes goes by and those big boosters separate with this big boom and flash. And mm-hmm. then you're not shaking anymore, but you're still accelerating. So you feel like you've got three of you sitting on your chest. Right. And, um, and then it, you know, six minutes later, the big orange tank separates and you're in space. I mean, you are orbiting you you went from zero to 17,500 miles an hour. That fast. In eight and a half minutes. And now oh. you're circling the planet. It is just, now you're what? like floating, you know, the most really? incredible thing. Yeah. It happens that fast that, that you're already orbiting within eight minutes. Yep. Yeah. What? It's so cool. And I think, you know, I, I am a super huge fan of the space shuttle itself and just the, I don't know, the magnificent sense of that vehicle from every standpoint the the way it supported us as crew the cargo the where it could go what it could do it just everybody wanted it to do everything and it it did it all pretty well yeah i'm like actually dumbfounded right now i can't (laughs) i literally am thinking like oh it's like a you know we see you and then you're gone and it's like all right like 20 30 minutes you might be orbiting that is insane yeah eight minutes yeah and you're just like Okay. And then, and then is that when you guys can like unleash and kind of float around and do your thing? Well, no, you're not. I mean, you want to, cause you're, you know, anything that's not tied down is floating up. And if you just relax your arms, kind of my son calls what? it the zombie astronaut thing. Yeah. If you just relax Ooh. your arms, just kind of float up and pencil on the end of its tethers floating around. Wow. Um, you want to, but there's about, I don't know, there's at least about 45 minutes of stuff to do with what you described, all those switches and lights and everything yes. that's around you to, to get, to get, safely configured in right. orbit yeah wow yeah. That's and then you're up doing all you know yeah it's crazy oh my god so then the okay so you're you're in space and orbiting don't you have to like because the space station orbits the earth right mm-hmm. so you have to kind of time it right where it's going to be kind of over us or over you and the kennedy center yeah they have this whole you know this whole orbital dynamics thing where they figure out so for launch, we have something called a launch window, right? And it's really this, it's this, this window of time that we have to launch within that time in order to, whether it's overhead of us or not, in order to, in the timing that they want to be able to chase down the station and intercept it, oh. right? Um, That's and it's, I mean, I, those are the super smart people that figure yeah, that's all like- stuff out. But it's so cool because, you know, you've got the station at one altitude, you've got the shuttle getting up there, orbiting, both are orbiting the earth. And then somehow you get to a point where you can come and, I mean, it's just, and, and then you watch the station out the window go from like this tiny dot of light really? to like fingernail size station out there that looks like this perfectly shaped space station that's the size of your fingernail. And then 
it's like in your face. You can't even see from one end to another. It's and it's huge. Wow. And then it's just like black behind it. It is black out there. Yes. The blackest, clearest black just seems like to go on forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> I would be so scared. Oh my God. What, so when you, and then, so you see the space station, you're, you're, you're piloting it, you're, you're flying the, the, the spaceship right to it. Yeah, the, the pilot and the commander of the shuttle are the ones who do that rendezvous. We call it a rendezvous and then um, docking with the station. And it's all, I mean, there's some automatic stuff that goes on. It's already pre-programmed hmm. to say, and then we monitor to make sure it's doing what it's supposed to. They can take over if they need to. But there's the last parts of that always were manually flown. Wow. And um, just the kind of delicate nature of it with these two ginormous spacecraft coming together, right? right. And um, the maneuverability that was had with this, you know, like within that far, like, you know, right. It's with delicate. It's so delicate. It's just, yeah. It's crazy to see, see this happen. And then you get this shuttle is docked to the space station. Now you got these two hatches, you get them open and then you can float in between both, like wow. leave the shuttle and go into the station, leave the station, come into the shuttle. It's like, you've added another big module to the, right. to the station when you dock. And how big is the station? Uh, well, the station itself, like if you look at the picture that shows all the solar arrays mm-hmm. and everything on it, if you lay that down on the ground, it's bigger than a football field. Yeah. And then it weighs about a million pounds, but of course not up there. And oh then, my God. you know, there's these modules that kind of look like cans. I don't think I have a, yeah, I don't have a space station module mock up here, but um, you know, each of the modules is like the size of a school bus, maybe, right? There's oh a bunch gosh. of those, like 10 of them, I think stuck together. Right. So inside where we live, where we're just wearing our normal clothes in a pressurized environment, they equate it to like, um, like a big six bedroom house, right? But imagine in that big six bedroom house that you weren't just stuck to the floor, that you right. can use the whole volume. Yeah, I could like float upstairs. Yeah. yeah, so it wow. is huge. I mean, it really, I could go to one end of the station and not see my five crewmates all day if I didn't want to. Really? It's that big, yeah. That's pretty cool. So then how did they get it up there? Um, well, they flew it piece by piece. And so they flew up one module inside the shuttle and one on a Russian vehicle. And then they were stuck together in space. And then they just kept coming up like that over, you know, over time. And we'd do spacewalks to hook all the wires together and have the robotic arm what? to stick them together. It's really. That's amazing. Pretty incredible. Yeah. There's that a really great. There's a really great like time-lapse video that you can, I think at the NASA site, or you can just search it in general. That's right. like space station assembly in space or something. And it's a time-lapse And it shows how it? all of these modules come together over time. I need to yeah. find this. Yeah. Oh, that's sure. really cool. That's incredible. That <laughs> That's like, cause I'm thinking like, all right, well how, now we know how you got there. How the hell did this giant football field size we built it facility. Yeah, and then like and it's like it hardware built by all these partner countries too. Wow. Somehow we figured out how that, you know, we make these things in these different places, we communicate properly, and then when we get it to space, oh my gosh, it sticks together and works. Look That's that. incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. That makes you like like to your point earlier about like like just talking about like humanity down here and stuff like that. If you can if if we can do that in space. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, and I think on. about it, it's like any challenge that we have. You know, the, we got to the moon, we're going back to the moon, we're doing this International Space Station program because we decided we can. 
Right, 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 exactly. You know, one of the greatest mottos that I've gotten from from like the very first days of working for NASA is, and I've got it here because I always show this to kids, so I'll show it to you. <laughs> but it's like my little astronaut with the motto, here's how we can, not why we can't, right? That's awesome. And it's so true, right? You go into it believing there's a solution to the challenging problem. And then you right. just figure out how you can do it. You right. know, now you might not be able to because it what whatever that, but you can figure out how how to do it. Right. And uh, yeah, that's I mean that's what needs to happen down here. Right. Do you yeah. think that um, I want to talk about your spacewalk? But I have a question. Um, okay. Do you think that like we're gonna eventually end up on like Mars and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah I do, <sighs> I do. Um, I know. Look at you. If you want the last one on Earth, I'm like, listen, guys, I'll hang out. (laughs) I'm just lounging here on the big park called Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And what's so cool about that, like going to Mars, going back to the moon, having more space stations, uh, you know, um, the commercial stuff that's going to go on in space, all of it really, I mean, it really is all about improving life here on Earth. Right. You know, in one way or another. And um, I just think people need to know that, right? It's not. I don't think a lot I, of people do. I always get do. the question, "Why are you spending so much money in space?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, there's not a cent of money spent in in space. Yeah, it's all spent down here. Right. It's all spent down here. And then we could spend all day talking about why we do that. You know, we right. wouldn't be doing this if we right. hadn't done that. Um, right. You know, so much of what just is integral to our daily lives now was was and is a result of us going to space and i personally believe if we don't keep doing it if we don't keep expanding that um you know that exploration of space we we won't solve the challenges down here if we don't do that it takes that kind of innovation and you know spin-off and all of that kind of thing to to bring it back to earth in the most meaningful way right no i i I've never thought of it like that, but hearing someone who's been to space, who obviously has been to earth and kind of can see it from a, you know, a higher level, I think that makes total sense. And, and, you know, the, the one thing that I think is probably most for me living vicariously through you, that is most terrifying is when you're on the space station and you talked about like putting these things together and stuff like that, like you physically came out of the space station mm-hmm. and you're in the little white, that thing behind you, you're in the suit and you're floating around like, mm-hmm. okay. I think of the movie <laughs> gravity. I think of Sandra Bullock. I think of like George Clooney, just like floating and just being like, all right, see yeah. you. Like, you know, yeah, so, that was so Titanic moment. There. It was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> amazing but uh tell me run me through this like do you does each one of you have to do this or you were like hey i want to go or were they selected you like um how- we all tra- we all train for it um and then when the when the mission assignments are made you know um i mean all this stuff gets divvied out you know to really? whatever reason to different crew members to do different things and just was very fortunate to get to do a, a spacewalk um very thankful for it. I mean, everything about, just like you're saying, everything about being in space on a station, on the shuttle, doing, surreal, total, a word you can apply to right. it, right? But I would say the surrealist of it all is going out in your own little personal spaceship, crawling out the hatch, putting your tether on, you know, crawling all over the outside of the space station, 
seeing all that now through this visor, you know, that, you know, and you're like, wow, this is just, this is it between me and me. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's going on the whole time. This, uh, what's it between me and all of that on a normal basis up there, right. the whole of the space, you know, whatever it is. Right. But just to have that, I think it's a much more intimate kind of thing. Definitely. You know, it's a, you're out there with your buddy who's in one of these suits too. So you, you feel that connection to someone. Um, you know, all the people inside the space station are there supporting you. So you feel that connection and all the mission control people are there. They're, I mean, their whole role is not just for you to get the tasks done, but for you to safely make sure you don't make it yeah. back inside afterwards too, you know? And, and, you know, your family and friends are watching you. So it was weird to be out there like by yourself kind of in this little suit like the aloneness you are <laughs> yeah right and yet feel so connected to just everything that's incredible as well really really cool that is so when you're like out there and you're like looking up and you're just seeing like you know i mean i saw a time lapse of like space and it was like comparing like all the planets and stuff and then it pulled away from like our like like solar system and then it mm -hmm. pulled away from our galaxy and then it showed all the other galaxies and it pulled away from the, all the galaxies and i'm like holy shit like <laughs> if i'm up there if, like in your situation like were you looking up or do you think of that stuff and you're like what there has the numbers are in the favor of like there has to be some sort of life or something out there yeah. that's not us like do you ever think like damn a spaceship is going to just come by and like scoop me up or are you just like, <laughs> are you just that focused on your work? Maybe even, I don't know. Well, I think when you're out on the spacewalk, there's, you know, there's a couple sides of it. It's like, you know, there are times to kind of take a break and look around like, wow, that's a planet. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Look at yeah. that. I live on a planet. Holy moly. Right, and, right. Um, and then there's the like, look out into this, what seems infinite, which we're told is, you know, space kind of right. thing. But there's, you know, there's a diligence that goes along with that job that just, um, I think you first come out and you're like, oh, wow, look at that big distraction down there, you know, yeah. that beauty, beautiful distraction. And they're like, okay, I can't, I can't, I gotta, gotta do this I gotta task. think about my tether. I gotta think about, you know, my right. crewmate, you know, all that stuff. Um, but in the grander scheme of it, I think, um, I think you're thinking about that all the time, just like, <sighs> because in your free time, especially, you know, you're going to find yourself in front of a window. I mean, that's just what astronauts do if they've got spare time. They're, right. they're, our heads are buttoned, floating in front of the windows, wow. looking out, looking at Earth, getting it real dark in the station during a night pass and like looking out past Earth to, you know, and I mean, when you get it dark on the space station and it's dark outside, it's like there's this like web of stars out really? there. I mean, it just looks like it goes on forever and like you can reach into it and stuff and everything so cool. glowing and crystal clear. And um, it's just this like awe and wonder that is there and you, I don't think you can ignore it. And yeah, you think about this connection you have to the planet, you know, and all the people in life that share it down below with you. I mean, you feel very connected to that, but then you also, like I said, you're like, wow that's a planet right that's <laughs> that i'm yeah. on literally I'm not, you know i'm on a spaceship now but that that planet is in space that's where i live <laughs> yeah know? yeah it's like floating too it's like yeah rotating at what a thousand miles an yes, hour like what and spinning around the sun at 60 something like how does your head not explode like when you're thinking about this stuff yeah. you're like this is like crazy to even fathom 
Yeah. And you're and literally I think we need to think it. about this stuff every day. We, we need to find kind of that. I don't know if it is the meditation or go out and put your earth, your, your earth, put your feet in the dirt or the grass and right. just think about them connected to a planet and look up and just take a minute every day to have that reality check of right. who and where we are. I think it's hugely significant and just kind of an, it can seem wacky. Like, oh my gosh, I'm on a planet spinning at a thousand miles an hour, right. but I just feel like I'm standing here. How cool is that? You know? Right. It can be a bit overwhelming, but it can also be, I think, just so grounding to say, okay, 100%. just need to chill in this a little bit and 100%. just acknowledge the life around me, the all around me and be thankful too. Right. Even when stuff sucks, but, yeah. I, you know, sometimes it does. So you're, you're, I, I, I'm that same mindset too. I've, I've like, I've always been like, uh, just like 2017, I went to, this is like nothing compared to like being an astronaut and going to space but oh, i went yeah. to my family's out in washington state and um i went out to rainier and for some reason i'm not like an outdoorsy person i've never really been that like to kind of i'm basically what you're basically saying people need to do is like okay yep. stop and smell the roses yeah and i'm on this like mountain that's you know 16 or 15 14 000 feet high it's the highest mountain in the the continental u.s stuff like that and i'm talking about perspective so i can only imagine being off the planet, being like, okay, th- like our problems down there are nowhere near <laughs> anything that we are really making them out to be. So I just, you know, I totally agree with you. And I think that I wish people had more of that mindset of like, you know, stop and smell the roses. Just really think of like how bad your life is and just look up and just like, you know, there's so much more that's more important. I don't know. I just, I totally agree with that. I'm just. Well, I love what you're saying, because to me, I would describe that as you had an Earthrise moment, right? (laughs) Um, You know, think about that when we first got that, you were probably not born yet. You know, um, I was six when Apollo 8 flew around the moon for the first time, and they took that iconic image, right, of Earthrise. And that was like humanity. From the moon to the Earth, you mean? From the moon, seeing Earth kind of rising above the horizon of the moon. and. You know, they were like, whole, you know, get the camera, get the camera, you know, kind right. of thing. And, uh, and then it was shared with us on like Christmas Eve of 1968. Wow. And that was that moment. You know, we'd seen some of those images with robotic probes before, but that mm-hmm. was like human eyes taking a right. picture and sharing it with us. And like humanity got this look at themselves. Like that is who and where you are. Right. And I'm like, we all, I got, I get, get it every time I think we all need to find that. That's what happened to you on Mount Rainier. You know, yeah, you're 100%. Like, oh my gosh, you know, awe and wonder. Right. And you don't have to go to space to, True. to feel that, right? That that's like part of my mission now is like, I want people, I, I highly recommend it. Go to space, please. It is incredible. <laughs> I will not downplay shape or form. But when I hear a lot of people kind of struggling with this idea that they can't have that same kind of internal feeling, that same understanding, unless they go to space, I'm like, come on there. I'm looking in my backyard and Literally. I'm like overwhelmed by that little red flower, but the stop and smell the roses thing. It's like, yep. I, I don't know how to make that flower. How, you know, I could get so caught up in the deepness of anything. Out my dogs, what, look at that dog. How awesome. Literally, Nicole, you, you 100%. 100%. Yep. I know me yeah. and my fiance, we've been really like making it a, like a, like a, a thing to like 
go and like whether it's going hiking and even like local places like going to the Potomac River I'm like holy shit like this thing is amazing yeah. and I've never even been here before and it's in my backyard even going right. we go to the monuments <laughs> that's the worst isn't it we yeah, I know oh my god <laughs> I live I lived in like some of the cool I lived in New York for years and I was like never would go to Manhattan I went a couple of times but I'm like okay this is like this is too much this is like Times Square for no I don't want to do it but then it's like I hate leaving a, t- a place where I live and like damn I wish I did this more right. or whatever so i don't do that yeah. anymore i'm from dc but i mean we go to the monuments all the time and every Good. single time without a doubt it's like wow like yep. that's amazing like you know what i mean like just little stuff like that and you're exactly right it you don't have to go even out of the country the, um, you yeah. know, the united states of america has some amazing places yeah. throughout and i agree with everywhere. you everywhere Every, it's yeah. insane and it's like you're right. You, you, you let your mind go. You really kind of got to let your mind go a little bit and think, you know, like, wow, how did this even happen? Like, yeah. you know, like the flower, like my dog. It's crazy. <laughs> I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. I wish more people. And you got to open yourself up to it too. 100%. I, mean, I think that's a precursor is that, you know, we can get so wrapped in stuff that we don't like make ourselves available. Right. To it. But even in space, I could have closed the blinds on the window and just done my science and never looked out and floated and talked to my crew, you know, but not, right. I, I could have chosen not to do that. Right. Why would you? I don't know. Yeah, but, it's, yeah. but, um, but that's kind of what we do here, you know, and, and then, you, I mean, you do, you got to open up the heart, the mind, all of it to like appreciate it. You really do. Yeah. You got to, you got to get out of that tunnel vision and blinders down type situation. And I think that's like, to your point earlier of like, the humanity and stuff like that. everybody just it's like the rat race it's like everybody yeah. i think covid was terrible but a lot of it especially in the beginning and in the middle of it i think really put some perspective on people like really showed and kind of brought out like wow what's really important to yeah. me and my family and, and all that i don't know just you know when things that you can't do that you've taken for granted you can't do anymore i think adds a little bit of you know and it didn't of, matter who you are it doesn't matter who right. you are. it didn't discriminate in any way oh. Every corner of the planet has, or I should say, every like curved part of the planet yeah. has been affected. And uh, it just, I think it really raised this awareness of what you do see from space, the interconnectivity of everything. Right. You know, there's not a single thing down here that isn't in one way or another affecting every other life form um, right. on this planet. And right. uh, yeah, COVID definitely did that. Definitely. to us to us for us whatever right yeah exactly <laughs> but um, hopefully we use it though too let's use what we learn from it to emerge in some kind of hybrid better way yeah. of our isolation that's yeah. what i'm hoping i hope it's not like a new cycle situation where it's like oh that's just that just happened that didn't yeah, happen we gotta like catch up yeah. <laughs> yeah like let's uh, take a break for a second yeah i agree um what was I going to say the, so let's talk about the um, kind of what's happening. I don't know how much, I don't, well, I'm going to go that much longer, but I just have a couple more questions. Um, okay. And let me know if you got to go, trust me, I'm throwing me out of okay. here. Um, the, uh, I think what's happened in the last, just even five years, I mean, obviously with Elon Musk coming along and being such an innovator that he is, he's kind of selected space to be like his, his next thing that he wanted to do. And I think he's, you know, from the, the, the rockets coming back down by themselves and like all these things that are going to cost, you know, save, save money, obviously, and you could reuse things and stuff like that. But the fact that we have a Rover on Mars today. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think Several. it's kind of 
several. So, oh, there's several? Yeah, this is just one in a series of rovers on Mars. Yeah. Right now there's more? Just the latest one. Yeah. What? I know. Isn't that crazy time? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So he wants to get to the moon. I know that's like his main, not his main goal, but one of his main goals is to get us back to the moon. And and he wants to go live on Mars. I know he definitely wants to live on Mars. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? And I'm sure you're probably so excited about like the yeah. progression that's happened thus far. Because for the longest time, I mean, we haven't even been to the moon since we went to the moon. So oh, yeah. like that, you know, there's been such a large gap. And I know there was funding issues, but now, a lot of stuff happened. So like, yeah. You know, it's how are you feeling about like all this like progression? Well, I love it. I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, I'm I'm the person who's like, where are my flying cars? That was literally already too, you know. Um, but yeah, I think what's what's so great about the way it's moving forward now too is that it's you know these companies are coming on taking on things independently, but but it's all really being done as a partnership, like this public-private partnership. You know what what Elon and SpaceX are doing right now starting to fly crews back to the space station. That's all this partnership going on, you know, NASA providing, you know, a chunk of the funding to get that going. It's kind of like the old air, airline days, you know, where it started out as a government thing and then a, was this merger and then, right. you know, evolved. Um, I think we have so much to look forward to, you know, and SpaceX is just one of many companies that's, right. you know, looking at the transportation, the habitability in these places, the, the farther, you know, far Earth, away from Earth travel kinds of things. And, you know, and then everything that'll go along with getting us there is going to improve the way we live down here. Right. And, and, you know, if you look at it too, it's like, you know, you've got Jeff Bezos with, with Amazon that has the company Blue Origin that's also mm. looking at, you know, this, this off the planet um, space stuff and his motivation you know my husband who is like a sci-fi fanatic expert all of that he's like oh jeff bezos read this sci-fi author oh, wow. must read this sci-fi author they all have kind of their their influences you know, sci-fi of, influences yeah. and you know for bezos it's really about how do we lift the stuff that's harmful to our planet the way we live here off earth take care of that in space to provide whatever it did to us on earth. And then earth really does become this place we live. Wow. This place that is, you know, like a park almost. Right, right, right. <laughs> and there's yeah. several, I mean, there's several philosophers and scientists who, you know, O'Neill and these other guys that thought about that in the same way too, is like earth should be our home, right? Get that industrial, you know, get, get, we talk about solar power. Let's get that stuff up in space and have space-based solar power that provides everyone on the right. planet with all the energy we need. Right. And we're not harming the earth to do that. Right. So, That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't even know so that. There's so much going on. So much going on. As long as, listen, as long as they put a Whole Foods on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. That's incredible. I didn't know yeah. that, that Bezos was. So basically what they want to do is they want to take, like you said, all the harmful stuff. Like, yeah. and just go do it on other, maybe even other planets or just out in space somewhere. In so it's space, not harming the on, earth. you know, on the moon, there's ways that we can utilize the moon, you know, very, and we can do it respectfully too. You know, we don't right. have to go up and trash the moon. I know. We yeah. It's like the moon for what, what the moon, I mean, it's like this, like heaven sent space station. It's there for us. Right. Uh, you know, it's right. the high ground actually. And um, there's so much about what we can do as we go back to the moon and, and establish this permanent settlement there. Right. You know, permanent presence for utilizing the moon on the moon, utilizing the moon for life on Earth, and then helping us get in a much 
much more straightforward fashion off the moon to Mars than or in space around the moon to Mars versus trying to lift all that off of Earth. To go right. Back. Right. So it takes what eight months to get to Mars. How long does it take to get to uh... right now? It's about it's about eight to nine months to get there to Mars. And then yeah. You, yeah. You get there. It's going to be that long to get back. But you can't just come back anytime you want because you want the planets to be aligned in a way that makes that the shortest trip, right? So at its shortest, I think it's what, 35 million miles away? The farthest we've been away is to the moon with people is a quarter of a million miles away. So it's, it's significantly different. Whoa. Travel to, <laughs> to what? Yeah. So how long does it take to get to the moon? Uh, the way we do it, the little route we take, two days. Damn. So yeah. So then, how come? How why haven't we been back then? If we can go to the space station, if we go to Mars, why can't oh, we? With just... your brother, yeah. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> All right. I always think like often, you know, there's this, this new show out called for all mankind. It's about like this alternative, like history on for landing on the moon and what goes on there. And I, I really like it, but I often think like, um, not so much that scenario, but what if we had just never stopped going? Oh my God. Could you imagine? Kept going, didn't stop it. And then we had other programs evolve in parallel with it. I just think, your flying cars would be here more than likely. I think we would have had our fly, <laughs> like our auto flying cars. I wouldn't even have to right. fly it, you know? Right. I agree. And um, yeah, so I hope the momentum that we've got with the space station, you know, first of all, the, the international relationships we've established, that's, that's, that's like pivotal. That's right. like that's huge changing kind of yeah, stuff. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And um, that that continues, you know, for over 20 years, we've been, with people orbiting the planet every 90 minutes on that, that station wow. working together. Um, it's just the, it's like this first stage of continuous human presence. Right. I mean, my right. son is 18 for as long as he's been alive. People have been circling the planet. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's insane. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, is he want to be an astronaut? I think he would love to go to space. I don't think he necessarily wants to be an astronaut. I think he right. got asked that question way too much when he was growing up. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm saying, oh, you must want to be an astronaut. I want to be like, an astronaut, uh, right? No, I think maybe I don't want to be that, you know? Yeah. Uh, classic. <laughs> but, classic. But he is. He's learning to fly. He's like the most naturally talented scuba diver I've ever that's seen. Awesome. I mean, really cool kids. So, and that's one of the things like for me, for my future, I'm like, what's he going to do? You know? Right. Yeah. What cool yeah. stuff is he going to do? You can live vicariously really through him. about like doing something good. Yeah. Right. That's cool. And you, so he's a good scoop. You mentioned water. I think, I think yeah. another thing, the ocean itself, I mean, it's like, like 90 some percent of it's never even been like discovered, which <laughs> yeah. is crazy. So like you were in a tank underwater yeah. to simulate what it was like to be in outer space. Yeah. That is probably, cause I'm also scared of the ocean. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I had to actually, that was, I was always before that, I mean, I was always like a recreational scuba diver. I wanted to go, you know, do my thing, right. see the fishes and the coral and everything. Yeah. I didn't want to, don't touch my mask. Yeah. I, don't need my, I need my regulator in my mouth. You know, you don't need to mess with that stuff. Yeah. Keep your fins out of my face, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to do that Aquarius mission, that undersea mission, you had to do some pretty advanced like scuba skill stuff. And you had to do a swim test before you could even get into the scuba skill stuff. Right. And I had never been a strong swimmer. And so I had to like physically and mentally overcome wow. some things just to be able to do that. Because I didn't want to get to the training for that and be the one that's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this one. 
yeah. them into the surface, yeah. you know, and Good getting job, all the Nicole. nitrogen. But, no, yeah. but I didn't want to be that person. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I, I need to practice to do the swim test. I need to know I can do twice as much as they want me to do. Right. So that when I get down there, I'm comfortable doing it. Right. I need to know I'm going to be comfortable with my mask off with my regulator out, you know? So I had people help me with that. Wow. And was, I mean, it's one of like, to me, I'm really, really proud of that because I was afraid of it. Right. I really was afraid of it. And so overcame that in some way and able to do it, but oh my gosh, it's this off the coast of Key Largo wow. about 60, you know, I think it's like five miles off the coast, like 60 feet underwater is this, it's like this yellow submarine looking thing. It's about what? the size of a school bus called Aquarius. It sits on, you know, on the ocean floor there. And yeah, you get down there, you know, once you're down there for an hour, you just can't swim safely to the surface, right? Cause your body, just like when you go on dot, you got the dive tables. I can be down this long, Oh like wow! Air, you know, cause you don't want the nitrogen, it, you know, you get all that nitrogen in your body, right. you get the bends or something. Well, if you're down long enough, your body becomes so saturated that if you did go to the surface, you're just going to probably kill yourself. You know, wow. there's not, um, or be really life-threatening. So right. you're underwater. Um, the habitat is like a station module in that you can walk around in regular clothes. You're not in water the whole time. Oh, cool. You know? It's at that, at the depth pressure. So you can swim in and out of it. You just can't go above it. You got to right, stay right. at that depth or lower. Right. Um, we just treated it exactly like we would if we were in space. You know, wow. if you're going to go outside, you have to put on your space suit or right. your, you know, scuba gear. Right. Um, we communicated with our topside team just the way we would with mission control on the ground and kind of ate food the way you would on station. We did right. all kinds of science. We had a real mission as part of this training thing. And it's another one of those really incredible places, you know, on yeah. earth that it's the only one of its kind um, undersea lab, like it's of its kind right now. And um, it just needs to be, I don't know. More people need to know about it too. I agree that I didn't even know yeah. that that was a thing. That's, yeah. that's incredible. How long were you down there? 18 days. Whoa. It was awesome. It was so awesome. And now oh I kind of think about it. We kind of joke, Oh, we go to live in inner space so we can learn how to live and work in outer space, yeah. right? Like the planet surrounding you, you know, seeing it again from a whole new perspective. Right. We felt like we were the ones in the fish tank, right? The two big grouper would come up and look in the window like, wow. eh, now, you, yeah. know? <laughs> you know like we were in their world and, right. um, that's incredible yeah that's awesome and the fact yeah. that you, it wasn't like at the kennedy space center where like you were around it all the time and you were used to it you felt oh, no, comfortable. It was very different for me very different that's incredible different. Yeah. that's the same all right well um all right new book and art yes. okay. art let's talk about art so what are you doing okay. on the art scene i know you're you're basically <laughs> like a picasso like, um yeah, okay. well, no, no, you're good. I think you're a fantastic artist. And the fact <laughs> that you, you, we talked about this before we really got on was like the fact that like, you're really like combining the science and the art and stuff like that. So I think that's fascinating. So, you know, tell me a little bit more about like what you're doing, what you're doing in, the, in those communities and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I had the chance to paint while I was in space. I did a watercolor painting. I brought up watercolor paints and did a watercolor painting there. And, that's sick. You know, really, you know, I mean, people have been doing art and music in space since the very beginning, right? Um, but I brought up watercolors, was the first one to do that, had no idea wow. at the time. And, wow. you know, so floating balls of water to dip the brush in and dragging the color balls. Of water. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, 
But when I was thinking about retiring from NASA, which is a difficult decision to make, um, you know, I was in line to fly in space again. I probably would have oh. flown in space again, but I was just feeling this need to like do something different. Right. And I knew those things like with the art and stuff like that, I wouldn't have been able to do it necessarily while still, you know, being in the astronaut office and right. my Committed son was getting to ready to start right. high school and right. I mean, all these things going on that just it was more important for me to be doing something else then. Right. And so I answered the question, do I need to fly in space again? And if I answer that honestly, the answer is no, I don't need to fly in space. I wow. want to, when I'm 92, ask me, yes, the answer yeah. is yes. But <laughs> anyway, so I went off on this new mission of I'm going to use art to share the space flight experience. I'm going to, people are going to know about that international space station because when they talk to me about my art, I'm going to share the backstory of that picture or that painting you see is based on a picture I took from space, wow. right? And then they can be the ones with the app on their phone that tells them when the space station's flying over. They'll be excited about it. Right, right? Right. And they need to know about what astronauts experience in space that really makes you feel this connection to the planet. You know, that we live on a planet where all earthlings, only border that matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere, right. those kinds of things, right? And I thought I could do that with my art. And I, I started doing that. It was really working out fine. And then I got introduced to an artist um, in Houston who had started the art and medicine program at um, the Pediatric Cancer Center at MD Anderson there. And amazing guy, Ian Sion. And he always would do projects with the kids where they would paint or create something individual. And then he would put it together in some like ginormous dragon thing where wow. every scale was one of the kids artwork or you would put it on a you know big mural or wrap buses with it or what you know whatever That's so cool and he called it you know like community art he wanted them to feel like they were part of something bigger right? right and for it to be therapeutic for them as well while they're going through what you hope is the worst thing they ever have to deal with right right entire lives and so i got invited to participate with him and he wanted to do something with space Actually, his idea was that he should be sent to the space station as an artist in residence. And um, I said, damn it, Ian, if anybody's going and doing that, it's going to be Yeah, good. they're going to call you. And, but no, I, I said, "Go, good on you, dude. I mean, you got to ask, right? It doesn't yeah. happen unless you ask. And we're still hopeful that might happen for him. But, um, but we That'd ended up safe. with spacesuits. I mean, spacesuits became the thing that um, became the project. And I mean, we started with kids in one hospital uh, in Houston. The suit you see behind me is kids from hospitals and refugee centers in over 50 countries around the world. Wow. Uh, a couple of these suits have flown to the space station and wow. um, we've had a, the crew member will wear it up there. And then we've had um, video conferences with the kids in the hospitals and That's the so cool. mission control centers. And it just evolved. People loved it and the kids loved it. We felt like they were, I mean, I was certainly inspired through it, but we felt right. there was there was evidence of them feeling better, of them in becoming stronger when they came into these art sessions, right? Sitting up straighter, talking to the people next to them, talking to me about their future, you right. know? Like they might not have wanted to go to space, but space exploration is really inspirational. Right. You know? Yeah. You get this confidence so, about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, we formed a little foundation called Space for Art Foundation. Um, because I'll tell you, one of the reasons we did that, I mean, we were just four people kind of independently doing this stuff. Right. right? But when you start working with hospitals in other countries and you want to involve their kids and things, they're like you know, who are you and why should I let you <laughs> do anything yeah. anywhere for these kids? And, right. um, 
and it's been great because we've continued with the art space suits, but we've done some other projects too. And, and we're working on a suit right now called Beyond where we are, I mean, I'm knocking on the wood here, cross my fingers, all of it. We're hopeful to get at least, at least one piece of art from a kid in every country on the planet. Oh. And um, while we're still focused a lot on hospitals and refugee centers, we've, we've opened it up just because with all this COVID stuff going on, right. every kid is feeling is isolated. Going through something. Every kid right. is like, life is different. You may need to feel better. Right. Um, that's yeah. Incredible. And so that should be done before the end of the year. And wow. we're going to have it on display at the UN climate change conference in, in Scotland in November. And, and while we can never promise it, we're really hopeful that we might be able to get this new suit up to the station at some point too. That would um, be sick. I just, um, so our motto is that we are uniting a planetary community of children through the awe and wonder of space exploration and the healing power of art. And wow. I think it just, I mean, it fits perfectly with it. Yeah, that encapsulates, that, yeah. that's it right there. So cool that's that's yeah. so cool. So the, so you said by the end of the year. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have it done before November because the, the climate yeah. in, in November. And so we'll have it ready wow. for that. And that's going to be insane yeah. looking. It's really going to be very cool. I mean, we're yeah. already starting to lay out, we're getting all the artwork is coming in and we're starting to lay out um, the design for the suit. Right. It's going to be it's going to be gorgeous. That's going to every be, single one of these suits has been. Fantastic. Yeah. Those things are I insane. Mean, like that's like, just, and they're stitched and Every together. astronaut wants to wear this kind of suit. Now, I was right? going to say, yeah, the old white school one. white one. It's like, hey, let's, <laughs> let's get some art in here. So, yeah. but you said they're stitched together. They're not just like plastered yeah. on. Um, so it's a little, I mean, it's difficult to see from here, but you can kind of see the lines on it. Right. Um, these are some bigger pieces, but um, each one of the pieces is an original piece of artwork on kind of a, you know, a canvas that right. then ILC Dover, who, oh my gosh, are there are real spacesuit company. They make those gorgeous white spacesuits yeah. that yep. I got to do a spacewalk in. Right. And they have volunteered every step of the way with us. That's incredible. Built this artwork together into these suit covers and good for them. They're just good, good. They're really that's stunning. amazing. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. then what about your uh, is your book about art or is it about your experience in space? Um, my book, it's not a memoir. Um, uh, like, <laughs> not about, you know, we don't need to hear that story. Oh, it's, about you, um, Nicole. Yeah. Maybe the kid's book, you know, the kid's book. Um, That'd be for, awesome. You're doing a kid's book? That would be fun. I think that would be fun. You should definitely do a kid's book. I, I would love to do a kid's book. Oh my but God. Are you kidding one, me? Um, this, this book is called Back to Earth. It's about mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff we already talked about. Right. How is it that, you know, it really is this how we have this just wonderful example in the, in the space station and the way we live and work together there and, and every aspect of it um, about how we should be applying that down here together. On, That's uh, so cool. Earth. And, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How to live like an earthling. Right. That's, that's funny you say that because that's one thing that, um, I noticed all the documentaries I've ever seen, anytime I've ever heard an interview from an astronaut, it, they always mention the number one thing was, the, the connection that they realized with earth every single one of them and it's yeah. like it's not and it's not like oh i heard this one say it so i'm gonna say it it's like they yeah. genuinely had this like aha moment where it's like yeah. wow yeah i call that the earthrise moment i you like that i'm taking Rainier. that you had yeah. it on earthrise yeah it's, it's just yeah you can't you can't deny it i mean some are more eloquent about it than others right. i think but it's in, it gets in you, I think, no matter, no matter who you are and, and you want to do something with it, right? hundred percent. You want to take it. I mean, that's why I, I honestly feel like I'm, 
I feel like I got to go fly in space so I could do this stuff. Right. You're giving people. Earth I really, I really do. I feel like, oh my yeah. gosh, here's my next mission. Right. You know, it's not like I, I would have people say to me, oh, Nicole, you know, you got to fly in space and do this astronaut thing. How could anything, I mean, right. you must be so upset that you'll never do right. that again. You know, this like, probably trumps who that. Says I to do it again. I might, you know, who knows? Right, right, right. But like my life is over because I don't get to fly. I'm like, dude, aren't you supposed to take what you've experienced and then apply it to something even better maybe right you know? exactly so, yeah and let's think of all the no, good things you're doing for these children and these kids and it's just, so cool it's incredible i love it i'm gonna um get the i'm gonna get the is on amazon the book the book is out for pre-order now um yes right. so please pre-order oh, yeah definitely absolutely <laughs> go um on my website i've got a link to where my publisher has the the links for pre-order yeah Perfect. definitely amazon is a is a way to go uh, and then it'll be out in October. Perfect. All right. And yeah. is there any way I could get it? If I could ship it to you, will you sign it and ship it back to me? Absolutely. Actually, if you pre-order, it's going to come with through the publisher, it'll come with like, a like a special book oh. that we're going to do, oh, but perfect. then you could also ship it to me and I could write something nice to you. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll pre-order <laughs> it and I'll go for the publisher. Cause I know a lot of yeah. I'll just go through the publisher. Yeah. Send me the we'll email. Send me the link. I'll send and you the links yeah. and everything. I'll yeah. do that for sure. But thank yeah. you so much for taking the time and talking Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate Finally, it. I know. I know. I've been like stalking you for months. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So right, lame well, I am. Yes. No, you're not lame. You're, you're fucking badass. I already told you. Sorry. I cussed. <laughs> um, that's another episode for the E-Force was a podcast. 